Being self-employed is awesome, isn't it? But at the end of the day, do you ever wonder, how am I really doing? It's not like somebody else is giving you an evaluation. And if you're not doing good, it's not like anyone's putting you on a performance improvement plan. And if your ego is running the show, well, then you probably think you're the absolute best ever with no room for improvement because you're perfect already. But I would ask, is that really true? Is there seriously no room for improvement? I think the reality is that there's always room for improvement, no matter how great you are. Personally, I always want to improve. And so I have a system to evaluate experiences and find out what needs to improve and how we can change that moving forward. Recently, we had a doozy closing. It was one of those that was a two-day event of will they or won't they close? When it was all said and done, I looked back on the whole saga to see if there was anything we could have done that would have eliminated the problems or at least made the experience better. This is a crazy story, but it's also a great example of how to evaluate your performance. So let's do it. Welcome to the Savvy Agent Podcast, where we help real estate agents build a thriving business so they have financial freedom in their life without having to work 24-7. I'm your host, Heather Wright. Now let's get to it. Okay, so here's the backstory. My team and I were representing the sellers, and they were not the easiest people in the world to work with. Another agent from another brokerage had the buyers. And this went south almost from the beginning. So the sellers, I don't know what their expectations were as far as leaving their house or giving access to the buyers, but like they were just difficult. For example, of how difficult they were, we wanted to stage their property and we were like, okay, our stager can meet this time, this time, or this time on these days. And they were like, oh no, none of those work for me because I work from home. So I can only meet them on Tuesday at 5.15. And we're like, um, okay, well, how about Saturday at one o'clock? You know, stagers usually don't work the weekends. And so they're like, no, Tuesday at 5.15 or we're not doing it at all. I mean, they're like, they were just that kind of fun personality to work with. So we found a stager who could work Tuesday at 5.15 and we got it all done. And it was just like a staging consult. It barely needed staged at all, but that's just an example of they're not being super easy to work with. So that was what we had on the seller side. So then the buyer, we had multiple offers and the buyer that we ended up going under contract with had their own personality issues on their side. We weren't representing the buyer. So we, we know almost nothing about them. Right. And so they had their home inspection. (laughs) And that's when the crazy started showing up and they had asked on their home inspection, I guess there was moisture stain on the ceiling in the living room. And so they said, well, Hey, what's that moisture stain from? And we answered them and said, Oh, well, that was, I mean this, and this is the seller. Like we don't know what it is. And so the seller says, Oh yeah, that was when we had a toilet that leaked. And so we replaced the toilet, cleaned it up and it, it hasn't leaked since. Okay. So then the buyer moves on with the transaction. They also had a bunch of other weird stuff. Like they were afraid that the house was infested with mice, even though there was no evidence of mice, but they just had like this phobia of mice. And so they wanted the seller to do like this mice extermination thing that costs several hundred dollars and then have like a year warranty that there would be no mice. Like, no, you do that on your time later, but 
because the sellers were so, you know, they were so inflexible about leaving their house. I mean, I can't even believe that we managed to get people in for showings. Maybe they were out of town for showings that weekend. I honestly don't remember. But anyway, they had to stay home and work from home during the inspection. We don't like it when that happens, but we did say, okay, well, make sure you stay. Don't talk to anybody. Just work on your computer and like stay out of their way when they're ready to inspect your office. You know, they'll let you know, and then maybe you could step away for a couple of minutes. It will be quick and they'll be done. Well, the buyer, I guess, asked a lot of questions. I don't know how many questions because I wasn't there. But they asked so many questions that they crossed this invisible line of tolerance that the seller had. So the seller was like, I hate these buyers. I hate them just because they were kind of a nuisance at the inspection. And they were there for a really long time, longer than normal, because they were asking a bazillion questions and they would not leave the seller alone, even though the seller probably had, they probably had some accountability and not being left alone in that situation. So anyway, we hear back from the seller that they hate the buyer. They asked a million questions and that's the problem. So then we managed to get through all of our inspection stuff and everything is fine. And we're moving forward to closing. And like the buyer says, well, I want to measure for carpet so that we can pre-order our carpet. And the seller said, no, we cannot be inconvenienced by leaving the house. You cannot come over and measure. But if (laughs) the seller volunteers, if you tell me what room I'll measure it for you. And you all know that this is not going to end well with these measurements, right? So then the buyer sends a list, a long list with like 50 dimensions that they need. So of course that sets the seller off again of their hatred of the buyer. And they're like, no, we will not measure any of this for you. This is a major inconvenience. We can't believe you were so rude to even ask. (laughs) So at this point we're like, okay, no more interaction. Don't ask us to do anything. Like just let's get to closing and move forward. So that's the backstory, right? And so then we get to the final walkthrough, which was the day before closing. It was supposed to close on Tuesday morning and the final walkthrough was Monday afternoon. Of course, this happened on a day that we had a heat advisory. It was like a thousand degrees on this particular day. It was really, really hot. We're in the Midwest. And so your heat advisory, gosh, it was probably like 98 degrees plus I mean, the humidity could choke a person. It was just, it was so bad. It was like a two day heat advisory. And of course, air conditioners in general are not very good at keeping up when it's a hundred degrees out. And naturally they had moved out of their house that day. So the house was open all day long with movers and people coming in and out. The cleaners had been there and it was just chaos. So they do their final walkthrough And the temperature in the house is 78 degrees, which is too hot. And like they're sweating in actual drips of sweat down their face. So they decide, okay, well, the air conditioner must be broken. We want somebody out to fix it. And our inflexible sellers said, no, it's not broken. You know, the house was open. It's really hot out. It will be fine tomorrow morning. We promise. Okay, great. And so then of course the buyer is nervous about this because they are apparently nervous about everything. And this is where things started going bad. And so the buyer's agent says, well, I want to come back in an hour to see if it's cooler out. It was like five o'clock. It's not going to be cooler for several hours. If the air conditioner is having trouble keeping up, it's going to be a while. So she ended up going back around seven o'clock that night, which is still not really enough time. And she took like, she, apparently she has like an HVAC temperature gun. So she measured 
the temperature coming out of the vents, which is incredible to me. Like, okay. So she said, in fact, this is too hot. It's supposed to be within this temperature range. I don't remember the range she gave me, but then it was coming out at like 74 degrees, which is too warm for air conditioner that's working. Oh my God. And so I'm like, look, the sellers are not going to do anything until the morning. They told you it would be fine in the morning. So let's just table it for the rest of the night. And then we'll revisit it again in the morning. And if in fact it is not cool in there and it's not working properly, then we'll deal with it then. And so meanwhile, the buyer is texting her agent and says, Hey, I've got a friend who works in HVAC who can come out tonight and evaluate the air conditioner. Would that be okay? Can we get permission from the seller to come in? And so, you know, the sellers are like, fine, whatever. I don't care, but we're not paying for anything. So we pass all that information on. So then of course they go back to the house. Actually, maybe that's when she went back with her HVAC gun. There was a note on the Echo B thermostat that said, you know, Hey, there's a problem with your air conditioner. We've been trying to cool. And in the last four hours, it's actually raised four degrees in temperature. So she says, is this enough proof for your sellers to fix the air conditioner? I'm like, no, it's not enough proof. Because the seller said, we have gotten that message before. I promise you it will be fine tomorrow morning. So now everybody is up in arms. Sellers say there's nothing wrong with the air conditioner. The buyers say, oh my God, it's broken. We're not closing. We decide to revisit it in the morning. So we met the seller at the house and apparently something had been disconnected with the thermostat when they had taken it off of Wi-Fi. And so he made some changes to the thermostat. And then we started watching the temperature go down over like 45 minutes. The temperature decreased by four degrees. So we're watching it one degree at a time go down. Well, this is not good enough for the buyers. So they still want an HVAC like evaluation. And we said, we're not paying for it because very clearly this is working. So then the agent with the HVAC temperature gun, (laughs) she goes over and she measures the vent temperature and Well, it's actually, it was working just fine in all, except maybe like one vent or something, but none of this information is good enough for the buyer. The buyer is just freaking out. They've postponed closing. It was supposed to be at nine 30 in the morning. They've postponed their closing until like three o'clock that afternoon. So then I'm on my team meeting and the agent who's actually the lead on this listing, like she's having troubles communicating with this other agent and you know, it's just a doozy of a closing, right? And so we did a conference call with the agent and I'm like, look, what's going on? Well, it sounds like she doesn't want to close. How come? Well, because I think she gave us like a random reason at that point, or maybe no reason. Maybe she was still on the HVAC reason. I don't know. And so in our state, we have a breach of contract section of the contract. And so she, the buyer's agent said, I've already told her all of the things that are going to happen if she backs out of this deal. And I confirmed that. And I said, because, you know, if she backs out of the deal, she's actually going to lose her earnest money, potentially get sued by the sellers. And it says in this line that she's going to owe commission. And that's a pretty expensive day if you don't get a house with it, but you have to pay commission on the sale. And so she says, well, you know, if you could send that to me in like a text message, that would actually maybe help me coach, you know, not coerce or coach or coax her into closing, you know, just sort of massage the buyer's tensions with the reality of this is a legal contract and bad things are going to happen if you don't have a good reason for not closing. So then we get a call a few minutes later from an attorney 
and we are not in an attorney state. Attorneys do title opinions here, but they don't, they weren't involved in the transaction at all. This was an attorney who was calling to get her out of the deal. So I spoke with the attorney and he was very, very kind and nice and apologetic. And I'm sure he was a little bit embarrassed that he was making this call, which was a bunch of bullshit, but I'm, you know, I mean, he was just kind of doing his job. Like we're doing our job. And so he says, well, you know, I'm calling to let you know that the buyer does not want to proceed with the closing as scheduled because of the non-disclosure item. And I said, what's the non-disclosure item? What are you talking about? And he said, well, apparently during their home inspection six weeks ago, apparently there was some disclosure about a toilet leak and it wasn't on the written seller's disclosure but the buyer is now reviewing the entire situation and has chosen to not proceed because the seller neglected to disclose this material defect. And I'm like, okay. And I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not an attorney and you are. So, and actually what I had said to him was, this is kind of weird because normally in this situation, I would be getting a document from the other agent. So I'm not really quite sure what to do with this information because this is really abnormal. And so I said, you know, I'll call my broker. And, and then I did flex my muscles a little bit. And I was like, and if we need to get the attorneys involved, we will. And he was like, oh, you're represented. You have an attorney. Who is it? I need to talk to them. As soon as you say the word attorney, I can no longer talk to you. I'm like, dude, slow your roll here. Like, I don't actually know who I need to talk to. So I'm going to call my broker. And if we need the company attorney to get involved, then we can do that. And he's like, well, if you have a company attorney, then you are represented by him. Like, seriously, knock it off. I'm not sure if that guy, like, just, can you just let me do my job and pass it on to the broker? So it was, it was so weird. So anyway, we wait for the uh, cancellation from the list agent. I call my broker. And he's like, yeah, you're kind of stuck. Like it's a lame reason. And so I said, well, could we fight the earnest money? Because we did disclose it. I mean, it wasn't on the disclosure, but it was kind of disclosed when they asked for further disclosure, we gave it to them during the inspection. And he's like, yeah, you probably could. But at this point they need to get their own attorney. And you know, this is above your pay grade. Cool. Long story long. I mean, there's no way to shorten this story at this point. So long story long, the buyer ended up closing. It was so weird. So they had an attorney call us to tell us that they weren't going to close. And then we got the cancellation and we told them the sellers aren't signing this. They're going to talk to their attorney. And at that point, the buyer's agent, who I think was working really hard to get the whole thing closed. So at that point, she, I don't know, she pulled a Hail Mary. And she was like, okay, if the sellers pay for the cost of a warranty, then the buyers will close. And the warranty wasn't negotiated in the deal because it was multiple offers, right? So that's what they did. And our sellers who, you know, they'd been flexing their muscles all along. We're not paying for anything. We're not doing anything. Screw them. We'll put it back on the market and get our money in two more months. We hate these buyers. And then of course, when the buyers, you know, in the 11th hour, when the buyers are canceling, the sellers are like, oh my God, is there anything we can do? You know, it's just bad juju on both sides. So anyway, it ended up closing. Everything was fine. But then I thought, okay, is there a point? Like, I don't feel like we made any mistakes here. Maybe we probably should have some better system for disclosing because that's a really common thing when you're in a home inspection and this, the inspector says, oh, 
ask the seller for further disclosure on blah, blah, blah. So maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. So I have like three questions and I call my broker. And so I explained the whole thing to him and I said, let me just tell you what I said. So my first question for my broker was, should we update the seller disclosure with any and all new items? Like when they ask for disclosure during inspection and have all the parties sign up. And my broker said, yes, of course, but that also gives them a three-day rescission like the clock for three days starts where they can rescind their offer. So it could be a crapshoot, but at least you would know then six weeks ago and they couldn't use it against you at closing. And maybe that's me being kind of lazy and not having the sellers updating the disclosure. And, you know, well, now, you know, my dirty little secret. (laughs) So we told the buyers, we did disclose it. It was provided via email upon their request. I mean, you know, the sellers don't remember everything. This is like a really common and rather innocent thing to forget something. It's not like they intentionally neglected out of malice to mention this leaking toilet, but here we are. But then my second question was, does the knowledge of the disclosure provided by email and their actions of moving toward closing for six freaking weeks, does that fall into that like tacit intent category where they're like, the contract is sort of assumed And I'm not a lawyer. I barely know what I'm talking about, but it's like, you know, if you were to, um, if you have a hard eight o'clock PM deadline for tonight to accept this offer, but they don't sign the offer until nine o'clock and you don't do an addendum to change that offer acceptance time. And yet everybody moves forward. That is from what I understand. And I could be wrong. That is known as tacit intent. But my broker thought that's probably going to be kind of hard for you to prove in this situation or, or hold against people. So then I said, okay, could there, like, what if we added some verbiage to the seller's response on the inspection addendum that says, now you accept it in as is condition on the seller inspection. Would that have saved us from the traumatic experience that we just had getting this to closing? And my broker said, probably. And that third question, adding that extra sentence is probably the best lesson out of all of this for me. So I'm going to start adding, I'm coaching my team to do this. I shared it with everybody else in my brokerage, like, Hey, this terrible, I mean, it was like so stressful this full day over that Monday and Tuesday of working this puppy to get to closing. It sucked. So if my experience can help any of you, here's the lesson that we learned out of this. And so, you know, we're going to put some sort of verbiage writing out on the resolutions. So we're just going to, you know, have the remedy language like, okay, seller will do X, Y, and Z to satisfy your request. And then we'll add something like by signing below buyer confirms are satisfied with the resolution and will accept the property in the current condition. Maybe we should add something like, you know, normal wear and tear expected or accepted or whatever the language is. Uh, We could even copy the, the line that's at the top of the inspection addendum. Buyers are satisfied with their inspection and remedies offered and disclosures given by the seller and request that the processing of the transaction proceed. So that was a really long story to talk about like the evaluation. You know, there are times where you can sort of evaluate yourself in the moment You know, I always know "Mm, I screwed that up in the moment or like the moment where I realized it was an error when I'm confronted with the ramification of that mistake, you know? So, but the recognizing it and learning from it is part of the improving 
And when nobody is evaluating us in our performance, and of course we're asking our clients for reviews, but they're not, I mean, are they really saying, I think that you should have used better language on your inspection document. They don't know. They don't know what we could have done better. And I also think to the extreme, you could be really, really hard on yourself all the time to the point where you just want to quit real estate because you think you're terrible because you're not perfect. We're not seeking perfection here. We're seeking always improving. Let's do better next time. And this is just one example of how we can do better next time. I have a million examples. There's always in everything you do, there's a way you can do it better, which is why people practice. You know, um, it's why role-playing is a common thing in real estate, you know, practicing your scripts and what you're going to say in, in a particular situation. It's how your 10th listing appointment probably runs a little bit differently than your first listing appointment and your hundredth listing appointment is, you know, leaps and bounds different and it has improved. So that was a personal story of a personal experience that we dealt with recently. And I think that it's a good message to just evaluate what is going on. How could you improve? And, you know, there doesn't always have to be a way that you can improve, but if you find that that's the answer more often than not, when you ask yourself that question, that might be your ego answering the question for you. So look out for that. Be honest with yourself and give yourself regular performance evaluations and always be improving because why wouldn't you elevate the experience for your clients? So that's my message on today's podcast. Hopefully that was helpful for you. You've got something out of it. And I hope that you have a great week. I'll talk with you soon. 